Welcome back to another episode of Black Girl Fly. I'm your girl, Tanisha Nicole. And I'm Tashana Dixon. And today we're going to be talking about real estate as an investment. Yes. So everyone <laughs> wants to be a real estate investor, I feel. Like like everyone's talking about it. There's all these communities. It's very hot right now. It, it's it always pretty hot. Like it's always pretty hot. At least I can remember for like the last 20 years. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. After 08 shenanigans <laughs> well it was hot before 08 it was hot before 08 but then some people got burnt in that 08 fire and yeah. you know, <laughs> came back and i know some people personally okay. who did not come back after that yeah, i can see that <laughs> so as we talk about real estate investing what what are some important things that you want to hit on yeah, I mean, I definitely want to just use this episode to talk about some of the things that we take into consideration as we are, you know, thinking about our real estate investments. And so for me, what is top of mind, we talked in an earlier episode about how your home can or cannot be an investment, depending on a number of factors. But I think one thing that is actually, it was actually very common in D.C., because the housing market there was so expensive, you would see a lot of people house hacking. Okay, so let it break it down. What's hack, house hacking for everybody else? So house hacking, I think it's actually a pretty new term. When they were doing it back then, I was like, we y'all crazy. <laughs> y'all crazy. Because, yeah. I mean, you would see married couples in D.C. buying these homes in, you know, these up-and-coming neighborhoods. And they were a decent-sized home, but... The crazy part was that they were then having roommates. Yeah. So yeah. you got a married couple with roommates. That's just weird to I me. I friends who did that too. <laughs> but it's, I mean, that is how you can make your home profitable. Yeah. That's well, how you can make it an asset one way at yeah. least. Yeah. No. And I think that also home prices are so expensive. Mm-hmm. So some people, for some people, it's not an option. Like right. it's like, this is how I'm going to be able to to actually eat and live at home. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, no, I think it makes sense. sense. And and it's one of the things that that we do is we recognize, one, that building a community and having people around you to help support and other initiatives for me personally with with my children, having someone live in who actually assists with paying bills and also helping me with my children has Mm -hmm. been super profitable because, I mean, just alone on, on the daycare front. Are you talking about? A partner? <laughs> Your own boyfriend? No, I, I am talking like, about what? an extra person oh, who okay. lives with me, who helps <laughs> me to take care of my children, and like in my house. Like, it's like a nanny kind of a situation. Yeah, it's kind of like a nanny situation. Yeah. But okay. that that has helped me so much because it, it I share expenses mm-hmm. on things like food. Mm-hmm. And also, I have this expense of childcare and things that I would already have anyway yeah. that I've been able to alleviate some of that. So it really has helped me to bring downs. We talked about in an earlier episode about how my expenses are really low. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I've done. And, and I kind of like, use my house as a benefit. Like right. I'm not going to pay you as much as you live in my <laughs> And you already house. have the space, yes. right? Yes. And so I will call that kind of life hacking. So you're not just leveraging your house as an asset, but like you're able to share other kinds of expenses as well. Yeah. And I think it's funny though that, other cultures really have nailed this. I was like, they've been doing it for hundreds of years. <laughs> hundreds. So like, I think it's Asian. Uh, like mm-hmm. no one is ever really meant to live alone. Right. And so you get married. When, no, no, no. When you get married. So you live with your oh, parents I'm until sorry. you get married. That's, that's the Latino culture. Okay, yeah. yeah. So in the Asian culture, you live with your parents until you get married. And once you get married, your parents come live with you. 
Mm, um, and it's expected that, that the spouse has secured themselves enough. That's why they're capable of being married mm. to actually provide for the family moving forward. And it's understood that the parents are young. Mm-hmm. So the parents can, can raise their children and do things. But then as they get older, yeah. they're going to help you with your young children. And also they're getting older in age. So they can't really care for themselves as much as well. Right, this has been going on forever. Yeah. I, I feel like it's only in the United States and in, in, I think it's heavy in the black community too, that mm-hmm. we don't do this kind of, shared yeah when I when I think about like when I was graduating college I would say it was about 50 50 like 50 percent of my friends were moving back home to you know live with their parents and like try to find work many of which ended up finding like gigs Mm -hmm. you know they didn't find work in their majors and then the other half we ventured out on our own Meaning we now created all these new bills for ourselves. <laughs> Your own bills Our own versus bills. shared bills. Yes. Yeah. And whether or not we were working in our major, we were, you know, it was more of a professional job rather yeah. than like a gig. And so, and I'm thinking of just my black friends, really. So it was 50-50 split. I'm not sure if it was because people came from different backgrounds, like, I didn't have an option to go back home because yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, so my mama gonna charge me rent anyway. So right? I need you to go pay some bills. <laughs> and at least I'll get privacy with my own bills. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would say even in the black community, the people who went home, it wasn't like other communities. Like yeah. it wasn't like, like a this big expense. grand plan. Yeah. It wasn't so, like that. So speaking of that, so I work in the technology field for a long time and we had a lot of Indian, Pakistani, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of, and we would like, so we made decent income in like, it was like engineering, testing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I lived in an apartment building that had a, a lot of um, that cultural group and the practices that they had there and literally I had people that I worked with where they lived in a two-bedroom apartment there were four of them and they did this for some period of time and during that time they were sending money back to their family Mm -hmm. and they were also saving and so in in my getting to know and, and really creating some great relationships I had a friend who they had roommates for three years and after three years they bought this huge mega house that was like wow. the house was like 600 700 grand that they they bought and they were able to move out of that but when they lived together by the way at work they would do like a potluck lunch and they would never eat out while mm-hmm. all the americans were going all to all these restaurants 25 dollar lunches <laughs> yes. 30 and, and oh i just think goodness. that culturally that we aren't used to that kind of thing and just so what we were saying yeah. earlier that a lot of other cultures have been doing that forever yeah which is crazy i feel like for us it's more of a embarrassment if we have roommates or like you know we don't have our own space we're not independent woman own (laughs) car own house whatever that song is (laughs) but like i feel like there is some type of shame around trying to shrink yourself yeah i I could definitely see that flossing or flexing kind of a thing i I could definitely see that because after college me having like that was like a thing i like i got my own place like mm-hmm. i'm not going to anybody else i got my own place yep. and but we didn't talk about all the stress that came with that yeah it. all the stress and unnecessary expenses and when i think about essentialism it it actually is kind of similar it's you know i had this two-bedroom apartment but I was the only person living there, right? I could have easily had a roommate or, you know, shared that expense and like the space would have been 
less wasteful yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I would have, you know, taken a full advantage of the space. Yeah. So I, I did. So the, the takeaway that I got from that is really do things to share your expense. So it kind of reduces your individual cost mm-hmm. from a housing perspective. The other thing that comes to mind when we're talking about really investing mm-hmm. in, in, in homes and home ownership yep. is I, I spoke about appreciation. Mm-hmm using that appreciation. So I think, I don't know if everyone knows this, but home loans and mortgages are actually like some of the cheapest debt interest rate wise and the amount of time you could actually pay back the loan. Yeah. So it's not like a car where most car loans are like five, six years mm-hmm. and the interest rates are a little higher, but you could actually, and this is something that will increase your your rate of return because interest rates are so low. Not only that, mortgage debt is tax deductible. So that even further decreases the cost of that money to you. I think that's a big one that I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. Yeah. And I mean, when I think about appreciation, that makes me think about buying in a certain neighborhood because not all neighborhoods appreciate at the same level. And when you get appreciation on your house, it's like free equity. Yeah. So to speak, like it is literally free money in your house that you can now tap if you want to get access to that. Extra money that added to your balance sheet. Yeah. You're, you are now worth more because your house appreciated. Exactly. And all you did was wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You didn't, I I love that type of money. I can get with that type of money. I I, I think that's a great opportunity. And and the reason being is because uh, one of the philosophies that I have is that if you're going to leverage you leverage to gain an asset yes you do not borrow to consume you don't borrow to buy a fancy car you borrow to buy things that are going to give you money back at a higher rate than what you borrowed it from yeah no i think that's a key point that kind of leads me from a thought perspective back to kind of knowing your your profit margin so Mm -hmm. when you think about home ownership when you are deciding to acquire a property you got to make sure that bottom line is good Yes. Every property is going to have a set of expenses and then another set of revenue. And so at the end of the day, you want to make sure when you subtract the expenses from the incoming revenue, that that number is positive and it's positive by a certain percentage. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you'll hear, and, and these are things that are easily Googleable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word, Googleable. I mean, but I don't want to shortchange it because it's taken us a long time to get confident in these principles and like how we use them you know oh yeah please believe this (laughs) came from a lot of trial and error a lot you guys have heard about some of our stories but the knowledge is there Mm -hmm. there's Uh, a lot of stuff out there you got to find out though what it is that you believe in you know sits well with you and aligns with your values though I do think that's true yeah and evaluating I want to get back to we kind of talked about the bottom line but When you buy homes, there are a number of different strategies that you could use to make money. And so each strategy will depict a a separate expense category and a separate revenue category. So just making sure those align. So let's just say you're you're renting out a property. If you're renting out a property and your monthly rent is a thousand bucks, but you have to pay your borrowed money, so you leverage money. So yeah. you have a mortgage on it, so you have to deduct that. You have to pay your insurance and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not going to manage it actively, or if you are managing actively, how much money 
is it taking you to manage that property? Um, and then it differs if it's a short-term rental versus long-term rental. Yep. Those are going to be different costs. With because, vacancy rates yep. and things like that. Yep. If you're going the Airbnb route, like you need somebody who's going to turn over that place every couple of days for you. So you need housekeeping now. Yep. And somebody who's going to manage the bookings. If anything goes wrong, the internet goes out, power goes out. They need clean towels, like anything like that. That's an added expense. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I do want to say... We are not telling you everything. I think these are some great concepts uh, for you to look into. So if you're thinking about making these decisions, if you're thinking about that, just know that there's a lot of different types of opportunities in investing in real property or, or, or real estate. Yeah, my advice would be, I mean, I would say read about them all, but like choose one or two that you want to master and perfect. And then you can, I think, start to expand the empire but, you know, getting your feet wet and actually trying some things will show you real quick. <laughs> you will learn some real lessons. So I, I kind of, I hate to bring this up, but I kind of disagree with that trying one to two things. I think that in any opportunity, whether it's real estate or business, you need several available exit strategies that will make you profitable. Yeah, and, I do and, agree with the exit strategies, but part of me is just like, if yeah, I do believe in, I, I do believe in extra strategies. I just don't want people to spread themselves too thin trying to do many things at once. Yeah, that, that's more where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, I get it. I think that more <laughs> relates to this is a business, right? If you're deciding to go into real estate, you have to acknowledge that it's a business and treat it as such. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that process is important. That you have to, in, in doing this, you have to do a sustainable process and that'll protect you from what you said. Mm -hmm. That it, it's about making sure that even if your strategies may be a little different, that it's not something that's going to consume all of your time, all of your mm -hmm. money, that you have put things in place to execute on whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So that's a lot. I mean, we, again, 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 <laughs> there is still so much more to talk about, but we just wanted to give a brief overview of kind of the different strategies and different ways that we, you know, apply to real estate in order to leverage it as an investment. And we encourage you to, you know, we'll put some links, you know, and some educational content up on the website so that you can dig into these more, but you can also just Google these. So, so yeah, anything else you want to say before we sign yeah. out? So I, I don't think we, we stated how useful real estate investing is. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to make sure you guys know that the reason we talk about this, the reason it's more so important, the reason it's one of the things that we put in our portfolio is because it's stable. It's predictable. Yeah. It, it's something that has shown through the test of time and recessions and coronaviruses <laughs> and whatnot that it is an asset and it can produce income it can produce wealth and sustain you one of the things that i think is a cool fact is like people like donald trump they filed bankruptcy a ton of times and if you read his uh biography and, and different things you'll you'll see that real estate was one of the things that sustained him mm -hmm. um and you'll have tons of millionaires tell you that same thing that yeah. that real estate is a staple in their portfolio and that it's and a that really has has been a huge factor yeah. in the wealth gap you yep. know like the fact that a lot of black families weren't able to acquire property like that has really set us back majorly you know in the last couple centuries 
Yeah, no, I think it's great. And so the last thing that I want you guys to catch is just that if this is something that's an opportunity, if it's interesting to you, check us out. We're going to put some notes in in our uh, podcast. And the show notes. In the show notes. I'm so bad <laughs> with this. We're going to put it in the show notes. So check it out because it's a lot to learn. It's a great opportunity and it yeah. can really help in advancing you from an asset perspective. Yeah, definitely. So until next time, y'all, I'm Tanisha Nicole. And I'm Shana Dixon. And, and we, we are Black Girl Fly. Girl Fly.